0: All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. I'm just glad you came back. You know, after yesterday's deal in our interactions and Proverbs, we'll see what the Lord does. But, you know, Kevin, what's a couple points that we talked about yesterday? Just as a refresher and how it ties into as we lead into today. Uh, how wisdom, if you talk wisdom, people are attracted to it. That's good. Rich, something from yesterday? How, not your tone personally, but in delivering the tone and communicating with other people. That's good. All right. What about you, Tom? About basically like what's in your hearts and that's what's out the mouth. Yeah, That's good. Uh, And, you know, and that transitions into Proverbs 16, verse 1. Again, here we have the writings of Solomon, the collections of Solomon, the wisest man of of all time, literally. And here you have just kind of this mentality of Mindy's painting, which I love her paintings. And he's writing about, hey, look, you know, to the younger generation, you're going to have two places to go. You could take uh, with your speech uh, the, the, the harder, narrow path, but that is more life-giving. Or you could take the easier, the wider, but it's, it's, it's the darker path. It's the, hey, four eyes mentality. And you're making fun of people. You're mocking people. You're delivering words that are not of the Lord. And it just allows people to hang on to this darkness. That's, and I just want to tell you what's in your heart is what's going to come out. And Proverbs 16, is exactly what he says. Again, the reflections of the heart belong to man. But now watch what it says at the end of verse one. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So when I read this, honestly, what this says to me is, you can try all you want, but until you give this over to the Lord, uh, like, how do I put this? It's going to be your flesh or the Spirit of God speaking through you. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. John MacArthur said, human responsibility is always subject to God's absolute. Sovereignty. In other words, man can plan, dream, and hope, but the final outcome is delivered from the Lord. Like, this is where we're after here. And it's this image. In effect, it builds even, you guys, in verse 2, all of man's ways seem right in his own eyes. Oh, yeah, you guys, I got, I got it all figured out. I got life all figured out, and you go through this journey, but the reality is, is it's the Lord who weighs the motives. He knows what's in your heart. He knows why you're doing what you're doing. It might look good to everybody else. It might look good even in your own eyes. But the Lord says not. I know his motives. God becomes the ultimate judge in everything that we do. And it goes back to what we talked about in Proverbs 15 yesterday. God is watching, right? Everything that we do. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. And now let me take it one more step as he's uh, observing you. He's weighing out your heart. He's weighing out your motives. Why are you really doing this? You know, you can come up with your three-year plan, your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, but honestly, it's really so you can be comfortable in life. And the Lord knows that. And so he's weighing out the motives. But maybe he wants you to let go of some of that stuff so that you could do something different for the kingdom of God. He knows your motives. Can you go to Proverbs 21, verse 2, please? Proverbs 21, verse 2 kind of has this same feel. All of the ways of a man, they seem right to him. And I love that all the ways of a man seem right to him. In other words, everything we do, yeah, it's good. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. But 21, 2 says, but the Lord evaluates the motives. The same theme, Proverbs 24, 12. Proverbs 24, 12 has the same uh, mentality. If you say... But we didn't know about this. Won't he who weighs hearts consider it? Won't he who protects your life know? Won't he repay a person according to his work? God knows everything about why you do what you do. You can't fake it. You can, but God ultimately sees your heart. So let me ask you this. (laughs) This is a funny question. What's an area in your life you're faking it? What's an area in your life you, you know you shouldn't be doing it? You know it's for selfish gain. You know that it's for the wrong motives, the wrong reasons. And if you really just put it on the table, you say, okay, God, go ahead. I want you to evaluate what I'm doing. What would he say? Man, I could tell you earlier on in my days of of, of ministry or even to get into the sports world, like he was a lot about me. Like, hey, what can I do to continue to advance this, to get a name or to get the ministry known or to get the, the athlete that I'm trying to get signed to get a deal like It's more about myself and the Lord knows your motives. Can you imagine everything that you did today is going to be evaluated by the Lord? I don't know if that makes me excited or nervous. (laughs) And it goes back to how we talk. It goes back to what we say, how we say it, and the fact that the Lord actually weighs out everything. Now, Kevin i to making sure every, everybody understands this is not salvation here that we're talking about. I'm not saying if I said one thing, well, I lost my salvation. Or if I did something, I lost my salvation. No, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And because of that, I am justified. I'm saved. And now I'm in this period of sanctification, this period of holiness, this period of righteousness until I reach the perfect state in heaven. So in glorification state, I'm not there. So in that process, guess what? I got a ways to go, and so the Lord's going to evaluate the things that I do. Which which is the journey that I want to take, the narrow or the wide? That that's what Solomon is talking about. Look, the Lord is evaluating all of this. And when you have this uh, this understanding, when you have this switch, which I was talking to a business guy, it's actually one of my favorite stories. I, it's an incredible story to me. I was meeting with a businessman in Texas, and he said he he oversaw. I'll just try to keep it real vague thousands and thousands and thousands of employees, okay? It was a publicly traded company. And he was there for over two decades. And he sent in a resignation letter to all of his staff, all of his employees. He said, hey, I'm I'm stepping down. And what was really interesting is, is that about 100 to 200 people wrote him back. And they said, very simply, hey, because in his letter of resignation, he mentioned Christ. He mentioned his relationship with the Lord. Somehow they knew he was a believer. And these 100 to 200 people wrote him back and said, hey, praise God, we didn't even know you were a believer. Here he was, a CEO, a president of, you know, over, you know, two plus decades of thousands and thousands of employees. And it wasn't until he stepped down that people said, oh, you know, the Lord. And so there was a switch and that switch is you guys right here in verse three. So then what he did is he took a year off. He got gathered and then he started taking over again of another company, but everything was changed and verse 3 became his motto. He didn't say this, but this is his actions. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. His desire, guys, is to see every employee come to know Christ. It's a smaller company, but it's still thousands and thousands of people. I tell you that is because I think, you guys, in verses 1 and 2, we do things in our own stride. And some people didn't even know who we are. But then in verse 3, when you actually commit your activities to the Lord, something changes. And I think that's what we need in the American church. We need that switch. We need that mentality of, like, do we realize that when we commit everything over to the Lord, the Scripture says your plans will be achieved. That's a hard one right here, you guys. This commit, this word means roll upon. Okay, the Hebrew actually means roll upon in the sense of both total trust And Nelson's commentary says both total trust and submission to the will of God. So what you're saying is, is you're rolling over. You're giving everything. And I love that roll image. It's kind of like, I'm giving it all to you. And why? So that everything then can be achieved. Because it's his deal. It's his plan. It's his direction. It's now his vision. And God's going to allow it to come to fruition. But you got to give it over to the Lord. And Kevin, this is really hard to do. Let's go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You guys know this, but I, I would equate it to Proverbs 16, 3. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has this same mentality. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In other words, don't try to figure it out. And then in verse 6, think about Him in all your ways. And then what happens? He will guide you on the right paths. Submit it all over to Him. Trust it all over to Him. And God says, okay, now, now, I, now I can work with a little bit more similar language here. Psalm 22, verse 8. Psalm 22, verse 8. We're going to hang out in the Psalms here a little bit. It says, he relies on the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him since he takes pleasure in him. There's a true reliance on God. He really says, God, I need you to rescue. He really says, God, I need you to deliver me. And then he says, oh, good. I take pleasure in this guy. Like when I see commit your activities to the Lord, you guys, it's time that we stop playing games. Like, I don't know why we do the Wednesday, Sunday thing just to go through the motions. Like, I, it doesn't even make sense to me why people go and then they don't commit everything to the Lord. Like, why are we playing these games? In fact, over and over, Scripture says, no, you, you give everything to Him. Nelson's commentary says, trusting the Lord with our decisions, it frees us from, you ready for this? Preoccupation with our problems. That word trust means literally lying down in submission to Him. Show me, God says, that you're in. And I'll respond. And when you have this mentality, you guys, of of stop trying to figure it out, but then give it to Him, that's when God shows up. Abraham, getting ready to sacrifice his son. Oh yeah, God, I trust you. Um, but then imagine if he just sat there and didn't sacrifice his son. Imagine if he didn't actually walk through this. He trusted God enough that then what did he do? He provided the sacrificial ram. He didn't have to kill it, uh, Isaac. Oh, there's a ram in the thicket. Like we need to start walking out our actual faith. And when you do verse three, back in Proverbs 16, it says, you commit your activities to the Lord And your plans will be achieved. How do you know? Well, the scripture says right here, I'm in. God says he's in. Well, that's that's crazy either. And people hate when I say this. This is true or it's not true. You either believe this thing is true or it's not true. And if it is true, we got to act like it. I mean, guys, we're walking in some ridiculous things, miracles that we need to see happen. I either believe that it's going to happen or I don't. I'm giving it to the Lord. And I believe that the plans are going to be achieved. I believe with all of my heart, God is going to honor what we're doing. In fact, it says this in verse four, the Lord has prepared everything for his purpose. God set it up. If God wants you to walk into this place, if he wants you to be married to this person, he wants you to have X amount of kids. He wants you to have this job in this location. He wants you to have a building in this country God says, I've prepared everything for his purpose. Do you you actually believe that? And here's the crazy thing. He's prepared everything for his purpose. Look at this. Even the wicked for the day of disaster. So according to this text, God has prepared everything, not just for the righteous and the good, but also the evil and the wicked. And so what that says to me is, is that God is in control of everything. God, God, where are you in this country trying to blow up this country? God, where are you when, when uh, you know, my sister over here got raped? Or God, where were you when my job, I, I just completely got fired out of the blue? And God, where are you? And God says, I've got it all under control. Even when it doesn't make sense. Remember when he used Pharaoh? He used even the wicked, you guys, to prepare things for his people. And all of this, all of this still will bring glory to him On the day of judgment. So you kind of have these uh, actions that we're going to commit to the Lord. It's called faith, walking this out. And and now all of a sudden, it's not that you have a little bit of a a Proverbs rabbit trail, but kind of. In verse 5, you go, next sermon, please. Because he says, everybody with a proud heart, and I'll tell you how I I feel like it goes together. Everybody with a proud heart is detestable to the Lord. Well, how does this fit? Well, this fits to me is if you're not committing your activities to the Lord, it means you're trying to do it yourself. So if you're trying to do it yourself, the Lord just says, well, that's detestable to me. That's, I just wanted to bring that back again. And be assured, if you have a proud heart, you will not go unpunished. Be assured, a proud heart will lead to the punishment. And in fact, he sees this pride. Uh, Nelson's commentary says it's, it's like going backwards. It's like taking away from the giver who graciously gave it to you. And you're saying, nope, now it's mine. So instead of committing your activities to the Lord, you're like, hey, look what I did. And unfortunately, we see that in human nature everywhere. Many, many times it's all about us. It's about what we've done and what we've accomplished. On the other side, it should be more about, look what God did. God hates when people rob him of his glory. And that's what we're seeing in verse five. If you have a proud heart, it's detestable to the Lord because he says, I did that. I'm the one who's actually involved and you're the one who's truly trying to take this on yourself. And then in verse six, it says, wickedness is atoned For by loyalty and by faithfulness, by mercy and truth, and one turns from evil by the fear of the Lord. Wickedness is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness, and one turns from evil by the fear of the Lord. I, I get the last part. One turns from evil by the fear of the Lord, like, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa. Okay, God, I see, whoa, I see who you are. God, I'm, I'm turning towards you. But you guys have any thoughts, Kevin Rich, on the atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness, by mercy and truth? Any thoughts? Uh, my, I don't, my version says in mercy and truth. So when I think of that, I think of God's mercy and God's truth. Um, he's atoned for my iniquity. So all of my sin all of my transgressions that I've uh, against him and him alone, by his mercy and his truth, uh, he's atoned for them. In other words, even though there is wickedness, God says, I've got it covered. My mercy, my love, my truth, loyalty and faithfulness, it's going to take care of that when you realize what I've done and you've turned away from the evil and you realize that there's the fear of the Lord. You see me? Like God's giving us an out in verse six. He says, I've got this covered. But you have to understand something. There has to be a humble and contrite heart to receive this. (laughs) Verse seven to watch. It still all builds. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. The guys that even hate him actually like him. Now, we haven't seen a whole lot of that in the United States lately. (laughs) Uh, We see most people at each other's throats. But when one man walks in a way that pleases the Lord, even those that should hate him like him. I go to the Beatitudes. Kevin, if you'll go there, Matthew 5. Verse 9, yeah, thanks. Thanks. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. Like, to me, I, I just picture Jesus' words right here. In Proverbs sixteen seven. Solomon says, again, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So if you now go to the other verse, Kevin, in Matthew 5, 9, here you have this, think about, think about this, you guys, when you're intentionally making peace, you're sons of God. And I, I feel like you're going out of your way because you're reflecting the love of Christ. You're reflecting Christ, and people are are drawn to that. Even your enemies are drawn to that. It's a little bit of a harder one to swallow, because the only way you know is you have to put yourself in an environment to see if it will work. You guys remember when I went to uh, a country that was 95 percent Muslim, and I met with some of their government officials. And I just kind of remember thinking, man, I wonder if I start talking about Jesus, how how is that going to be received? Or if I'm, you know, with some Middle Eastern countries, I start talking about, not necessarily trying to convert them, but talking about my faith in Christ. But if God has a path that's prepared, even those people will be drawn to what we're doing. Please put yourself in that environment. Maybe not countries, but maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's your friends at school. Uh, Because it says in verse eight, this is kind of an interesting text, better a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Now, Solomon loves to talk about money. He throws in talking about the tongue. He talks about, uh, you know, probably many should just put a big old shekel sign, (laughs) you know, or a dollar sign. You know, because he's talking to his kids about parenting. He's talking to his kids about righteousness. He's talking to his kids about wealth. And he says, hey, look, here's the deal. If you don't have a whole lot, that's better than uh, if you don't have a whole lot. That's better than having a whole lot with injustice. But if you're walking in righteousness and you don't have much, I'll take that. Yeah. Great income's not bad. But he says, just don't do that with injustice. It's better to have a little in walking in right standing with the Lord on that path than it is to have a lot. And do things with injustice. And for some reason. We think that if we have more. uh, It will get better. Solomon says no man it's better if you don't have much. But you're still walking with me. I have here in my notes. uh, Nelson's commentary says. I think this is kind of cool. Righteousness is the real treasure. Just like that image. You don't have to have a whole lot. But your real treasure is when you're walking in. Righteousness. Now, I want to say something about verse 7. Even though, uh, you know, people, your enemies are going to be at peace with you, I, I do want to say it doesn't mean that you won't deal with persecution. God, I want to paint this perfect picture of, hey, man, I love Jesus. And the next thing you know, like all of your buddies, Muslims and Hindus and all the Jews and the atheists, and they're all like, hey, man, there's the guy who loves Jesus. I don't know why I have to be a hippie when I'm doing this. And like, everybody's at peace with me. Like, you, like I'm not trying to paint that picture, but I am painting a picture. Kevin, can you go to 2 Timothy 3.12? Like it is real. People will be attracted to Christ in, in you. <laughs> but second second Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, all those who want to live a godly life. So if you walk in this right standing path in Christ, uh, if you live a godly life in Christ, you will be persecuted. Wait, wait, which one is it? Yes. You can see both. You will see both. And my prayer is that you do. I am utterly convinced that when you see peace with people, it will drive you to see more, which will lead to persecution. You go to verse 9, and I think this is such a good verse. It's really what we've been talking about all day today. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. I think, Kevin, wouldn't you agree, it's what we've already been talking about in verse 2. All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord evaluates the motives. Verse 3, commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be achieved. Look, you begin to walk this out, but the reality is in verse 9, but it's the Lord who actually sets the course. A man's heart plans his ways. So here's here's what I'm talking about. All right, <laughs> Kyle's heart plans, Kyle's heart plan, sounds really good, right? All right, so I would like to go to, uh, let's go to the Middle East, okay, sounds good, I'd like to take my family, yeah, sounds good, I'd like to take the TTR uh, team, I don't know who. I don't know how many, but that's my desire. You know, the reality is is I'd like to have my house paid off in Texas in order to get to that point. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, The reality is I'd like my kids to be good with the move, whatever that is. You know, like, is it temporary? Is it short terms? You know, you get the point. But I like, here's the point. I'd like my kids to be good with it. Okay, You know, it'd be fun to have friends that support us. And I I don't mean necessarily financially, but prayer, encouragement, finances, like, but friends who say, I'm with you. Like that all sounds like a great plan. Now this is, it's Kyle's plan. Oh, and by the way, God, I'd, I'd like Revive School to be done by then. You know, like, I'd like to finish all 66 books. Like, that sounds clean. And oh, by the way, like, I'd like this to happen in, you know, the next year. But here's the deal. The Lord determines all of it. No, let me, I don't want to put it that way. The Lord determines my steps. He could say, yep, that'll work. He could say, yeah, I really like that your family's gonna go with you. (laughs) But what if my house doesn't get paid off? What if I don't know which team goes? What if I say, I only have two friends? What if he says, I want 60 books done, Kyle, not 66? And what if he says, Kyle, It's in the next three months. And what if he says, "Ah, two kids are excited, not four. Like, I I don't know how this is going to work. It would be nice if he said your house is going to be paid off. It would be nice if he showed us who. I've put some things in motion, but I need the Lord to determine all of this. Can I just tell you this? I don't know if people are even willing to put down your heart plan. I put down the heart plan. Why? Because I want the Lord to show me the path. I want the Lord to determine every one of my steps, but he could say that's not a good fit, Kyle. I need to roll over. It goes back to those comments again, you guys, in verse three. I need to commit all of my activities to the Lord, give this all to him, trust and submit to him so he can take care of this. If this is really the case, If I have rolled over all of these things, you know what can happen according to verse 3, Kevin? All of it will be achieved. Is that a fair statement? All of that will be achieved if the Lord determines my steps and I have committed this to Him for His glory. Here's the crazy thing I don't know the timing. I always equate it to he might show you the end, but the, how you get there might not look like what you planned at all. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that, that's how you wanted that to happen. Can you go to Genesis 50, verse 20, please? Genesis 50, verse 20. I love this text. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Here's a crazy story. How about, uh, yes, Joseph in in that in this context, am I right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the brothers tried to do something wrong against him. But God took all of that wrong and he still took it all together. And then he said, oh, now here is the plan. So some of this stuff might get messed up, you guys. The friend support might get messed up. The TTR team might get messed up. The year thing might get messed up. I don't know, but God says, I'm I'm still going to put it all together because I have a plan. I have a purpose. So let's close it with this. Can you go to Psalm 119, verse 133? You guys remember the forever chapter? (laughs) Psalm 119, verse 133. Look at this. Make my steps steady through your promise. And don't let any sin dominate me. <clears throat> here's where I want to go with this. I, I want to go with this and says, okay, God, you can make all of these steps steady. You can actually promise these things. Make my steps steady. But God, here's one thing I need to do. Don't let the sin dominate anything of me. And here's where I want to tie it back to Proverbs 16, uh, specifically verse 2. God, I need you to weigh my motives. A man's ways might seem right in his own eyes. Oh, man, this looks really good. But I need the Lord to weigh the motives. God, I don't want any sin to get in the way of me walking out the fulfillment of your promises for my life. And so I would just say is if you're putting down a heart plan, please allow the Lord to weigh out your motives to see if this is of him or if it's of you. If it's of him, get ready, buckle up, because it's going to be a crazy ride. If it's not, it might last just for a season, but it might not last forever. It might be bumpy. It might be smooth. But if it's not of him, I guarantee you, it will not last. And so when I look at this text in Proverbs 16, 9, this is this is what I want. I want the Lord to determine the steps because it's of him. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow.